When I signed with Buffalo, my intention was to go there and help the team win. But after getting there and, and seeing the things that was continually going on in this country, I mean, I felt led to walk away from football. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. Over 14 NFL seasons, Anquan Bolden established himself as one of the most reliable wide receivers in the NFL. He currently ranks 14th all-time in receiving yards and is in the top 25 for receiving touchdowns. He played in two Super Bowls, winning one with the Ravens. But after initially signing with the Buffalo Bills for a 15th season, Bolden suddenly walked away from football. Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck has more on what led him to retire. and chaos in Charlottesville. Car just plowed through hundreds of people. Racism and hatred. Local and state police in blinded here. When I signed with Buffalo, my intention was to go there and help the team win. Just before noon, Virginia's governor declaring a state of emergency. Chaos on the streets of Charlottesville. But after getting there and, and seeing the things that was continually going on in this country, I mean, I felt, felt led uh, to walk away from football. In 14 seasons, Anquan Bolden built a Hall of Fame caliber resume. More than 1,000 catches, nearly 14,000 receiving yards, and a Super Bowl ring with the Ravens in 2013. Blacko lob down the middle, caught, Bolden, touchdown! But while at Bill's training camp, the images of the violent protests in Charlottesville crystallized his decision to leave the game. It was just unsettling for me to see what we were as Americans, um, just to see the hatred, um, the bigotry that was going on in this country. And I, I don't think it's just a white and black thing. I, I think it's, it goes deeper than that. Even though Charlottesville was the tipping point for Anquan, he says a family tragedy made the greatest impact on his future. In October of 2015, Anquan's 31-year-old cousin, Corey Jones, was shot and killed by a plainclothes police officer in Florida. The officer, Newman Raja, has been charged by a grand jury with manslaughter and attempted first-degree murder. The case is awaiting trial. My cousin broke down on the side of the road, and it ended up costing him his life. This guy, you would have never thought in a million years would have been gunned down by a cop. And for that to happen, that broke my heart. So I never want to see another family go through that. That's the reason why I'm out here advocating for change. I believe that working together, we can not only move it to the political forefront, but we can make measurable, meaningful, and sustainable change in our communities. Anquan has testified before Congress on criminal justice reform, performed mission work in Africa and Haiti, and helped build a network of former and current NFL players to engage in activism. In September, he supported the Eagles' Malcolm Jenkins' efforts to reshape the juvenile detention system in Pennsylvania 
and assist in rebuilding the lives of men recently released from prison. We were dealing with a group called Men's Fit in Philadelphia. They take guys who've done time in prison, uh, convicted felons, and try to help them get back on their feet. We all know that once you're a convicted felon, it's hard for you to get fair education, fair housing, and uh, fair jobs. So uh, Men's Fit is a, a program that try to help these guys get back on their feet and try to help them dress to be successful. Jenkins says that Bolden's passion for football has transferred to the causes he supports. I've been able to work alongside him for a whole year, and I've seen his uh, passion for it. I've seen his conviction. His legacy is going to be more about what he does off the field than anything he's ever done on the field. Success for me is just being a productive citizen, being a great husband, being a great father, and continue to make my community better. When we come back, I'll talk with reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck and producer Aaron Johnson about their interview with Anquan Bolden. But first, to our subscribers on Apple Podcasts, we would love to get your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and a review. On the ESPN app, add SC Featured to your podcast favorites so you can get alerts to hear new episodes when they arrive. We'll be right back. It was just unsettling for me to see where we were as Americans, um, just to see the hatred, um, the bigotry that was going on in this country. And I, I don't think it's just a white and black thing. I, I think it's, it goes deeper than that. I believe that working together, we can not only move it to the political forefront, but we can make measurable, meaningful, and sustainable change in our community. Welcome back to the SC Featured Podcast. I'm Jen Latta. I'm joined now by Monday Night Countdown reporter Michelle Beisner-Buck and feature producer Aaron Johnson. Michelle, I know that this took a lot of fans by surprise. What was the reason that Anquan Bolden decided to walk away from football? Plain and simple, it was so we could focus more on his philanthropic work. I mean, this did take fans by surprise. I mean, he stepped in with the Bills and he had every intention to play with the Bills, but with some recent events that have gone on in the world today, especially Charlottesville, he just he could not get away from the, the feeling that he had inside of him. And, and these images and kind of the, the social divide, the racial divide, these things just weren't sitting well with him. And he had to step away to focus on his humanitarian efforts and to push for criminal justice reform. And, you know, I mean, certainly... This is a guy that is talking about he's building this Hall of Fame resume and is in conversations for the Hall of Fame. And, and he walked away because he knew that there were bigger things to focus on than football. And that, that takes someone very special um, to be able to do that. Not everyone can do that and be okay with it. So, I mean, hats off to him. It certainly wasn't an easy decision for him to make. Yeah, his conviction in the piece is just so evident, and, and as you stated, should be complimented. But there was a tragedy in his life recently, the death of his cousin, that really pushed him in this direction. How is he handling that, and where does that case stand now? 
So in the early hours on October 18th of 2015, uh, Anquan's cousin, Corey Jones, who was 31 at the time, was shot and killed by a plainclothes police officer while on the side of the road waiting for roadside assistance because his car had broken down. Uh, the officer, he was charged with manslaughter, but he has pleaded not guilty, and the case is ongoing. Trial is scheduled for some point in time in 2018. You mentioned current events and some of the things that are happening on the social landscape. I can't help but think of Colin Kaepernick's situation. I know. Um, what has Anquan said about that situation? How much has he immersed himself in that conversation? So they were teammates in San Francisco, and so he knows him, obviously, as a teammate and as a person. And this is what Anquan told me about his initial reaction to Colin Kaepernick's protest and where things stand now. My initial reaction was, it's his right. You know, I know a lot of people were upset um, that he took a knee. But for me, it, I mean, he has a right to do that. And then the more I started to look into it, I, I honestly thought it was a genius idea. And I know a lot of people, you know, hate the fact and they say that he's disrespecting the flag, um, he's disrespecting the national anthem. But if you think about why he kneeled and what it was able to do, he was kneeling for the injustices that were going on in this country. He was also kneeling for military um, people that serve who come back to this country and are not treated in a, in a way that they should be treated. So I thought it was genius and something that I had been talking about for two years um, after the death of my cousin, um, he was able to bring that to light just by kneeling. Um, no matter how loud I was talking, no matter how many interviews I did, it seemed like that conversation just went away in a day or so. But when Colin Kaepernick kneeled, it brought that conversation to the forefront and now you can't escape it. He also thinks he should be playing on a team right now. You know, I mean, he he didn't get to watch week one because of Hurricane Irma. Um, but he did say that from what from what he read and from what he heard from friends and, and people across the league, that there was there was quite a bit of um, of poor quarterback play and that Cap definitely could have been out there helping a team in some way, shape or form. And his quote uh, that he did say to me, he said, the fact that he's not on the team, I mean, you know, people will say that it's about athletic ability or the way that he plays at quarterback, but that's the furthest thing from the truth. If we're all going to be honest, he said he's not on an NFL roster because he took a knee. He took a stance, point blank, period. And there's no other way that you can put it. So I asked him how it made him feel. Discussed it. I mean, since I've been in the NFL, you had guys who have been to jail. You've had guys who've killed people with DUIs. You've had guys um, beat their wives. I mean, you name it, all of that has gone on in the NFL, and all of those guys have been given another chance to prove themselves. Kaepernick never committed a crime, and he's been blackballed. It does feel like on some level... Kaepernick's efforts have motivated Anquan's, and obviously he doesn't have the football that can be leveraged against him since he chose to walk away, but it is interesting the way that he has seen how that all has played out. You mentioned Hurricane Irma. Mm -hmm. He and his family live in Florida. They had to deal with some of the ramifications from that storm. How was his family impacted by that recently? You know, they're doing okay. Luck luckily, thankfully, they didn't get hit. The eye of the storm was making their way towards them, and, and then it... it it veered a different direction, thank God. Um, so there were some trees down, some things like that. People in their neighborhood didn't have 
didn't have power, but luckily um, he had a generator, so their house did have power. And, you know, from what he told me, though, he's out there, you know, helping people get ice, you know, heat, obviously, the heat index, the humidity in, in Florida is a big deal. So getting people the bare necessities like food, water, and ice is is what he's working on now. In fact, he was working, when we spoke to him, he was working on getting a, a truck full of ice from another state brought in to just people in his community. Aaron, what was Florida like when you were down there conducting the interview? Yeah, I went down there several days after the storm had hit, and the cleanup process was still going on. I saw piles of debris all over the sides of the road. Um, I saw some downed trees and some parking lots, and some stoplights weren't working. They were they were definitely working as fast as they could. Anquan actually got power back the day that I arrived. Um, but this is the first time I've ever actually gone someplace and checked into a hotel that didn't have power, and the heat... Was, you know, it was in the 90s when I was down there. The humidity was really hot. And the people that I spoke with considered themselves very fortunate that they weren't hit as hard as they initially expected to be hit. But there was still a lot of cleanup and things that was going on at that time. Michelle, I noticed in the piece that he does sit before Congress and he is pleading his case and kind of giving his side and his interpretation of some of the things that have happened in his life and beyond. Why does he think that that's necessary in order to promote change? Well, I think that anything that you can do um, to push forward criminal justice reform or fight for humanitarian issues and human rights, I mean, you, you want to get in front of Congress. I mean, I, I applaud him for being able to to do that. And I asked him what that experience was like. He said he wanted to soak it in like a sponge, you know. I mean, he just wanted to sit there and learn as much as he could. And good for him. Good for him. I mean, it, it's a small, it's a very, very small step, but a step in the right direction. And he's, he has no, no, no plans at all in, in slowing this process down. Um, you know, and to that, it's, I asked him about different things. You know, it's like he had something so interesting to say about what you can learn in an NFL locker room, right? An NFL locker room is a melting pot of color and race and religion and sexualities and nobody cares, right? Nobody cares in an NFL locker room. All they care about is, are you my brother? Do you have my back? And are you going to be there when I need you on Sunday or Monday or, you know, Thursday or Saturday at this point? It's like, are you going to have my back when I need you? And wouldn't that be great if we could just all live that way and just see each other as brothers and sisters? The answer to that question is yes. The solution is obviously much harder but he's doing everything that he can. You know, I, I did ask him what he would want the NFL to do to kind of bridge that gap, right, that maybe they're not doing. And he told me that he'd like to see more owners get involved, owners and GMs. When when players like, like himself, when they go to Capitol Hill and they speak before congressmen and different senators, they're able to get that meeting because of who they are and the platform that they stand on as an NFL wide receiver or an NFL DB. And that's 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 a great start. Right. But he believes that if they had owners in that meeting or GMs, that it would take on a life of its own, that the conversation would be a lot different. And he's he's trying to lead that charge. He's, He's trying to get more owners involved. You know, there are some owners who are stepping up and one of them is Stephen Ross of the Miami Dolphins, who started the Rise Initiative, and he does a lot of great work in different communities. And he just believes that if other owners and GMs got involved, that, you know, it would kind of be the trickle-down, a domino effect, and we'd see the needle move a lot quicker on, on issues like this.
Aaron, you happen to be at the event that he attended in Philadelphia with Malcolm Jenkins, another example of an athlete getting involved in this cause. What did Anquan do that day that people should be aware of? Well, Anquan and Malcolm are both part of about a 40-man coalition of NFL players who are out there trying to help better the community. Um, That particular day, Anquan traveled to Philadelphia to support his friend Malcolm. Um, I was there to watch them both record a PSA, and there was also a fashion show that was held that day. Malcolm and his team actually uh, got together with another organization um, who were trying to get men who had been recently released from prison and give them a nice suit and help get them back on their feet and help get some jobs. Um, They had a fashion show, and the guests all gathered around this little runway, and some of the models were the men who had recently been released from prison, and they had the opportunity to show off their new suits. Uh, One of them had some fun with it. As he walked down the runway, he took off his jacket, you know, flipped it over his shoulder, did a spin move, and walked back. And uh, the crowd laughed and clapped and cheered. Um, And the men really looked confident and happy in their new suits. And this was important for Anquan to attend because these are the causes that he believes in. And I had the opportunity to talk to Malcolm Jenkins at the event, and I asked him how passionate Anquan is about these causes. And he kind of cracked up, and he just goes, you know, if you've ever seen how passionate Anquan is on the football field, well, he also has that same passion for everything he's been doing off the field as well. Um, And I just thought it was really great to have the opportunity to see that passion firsthand. Michelle, I think that when guys walk away from football, even if they are fully invested in something else, there's always a tinge of what if, what if I had stayed with it. Mm -hmm. Did you get that sense from Anquan at all that he may have regrets about leaving the game too soon? He told me that he has no regrets at all. Um, He feels like he made the right call. He definitely still has a passion to play. He definitely still can play. But at this point in life, they're just more important things than football. But, you know, I mean, this is a guy who had two Super Bowl appearances, almost 14,000 receiving yards, 83 touchdowns. I asked him if there was anything that he did leave on the field, and he said that maybe the only thing was that first Super Bowl loss. Had he won that, he said that everything would have been complete. But, you know, I mean... This guy had an incredible career. So I I think that he gets to walk away on his own terms and he can hold his head up high for that. And not many guys get to be able to do that, to walk away on their own terms. So for him, he's um, he's pushing forward. He feels good about the decision that he made and where he is today. I agree with that. He definitely talked a lot about his family. He talked about taking vacations with his family. And he just talked about his passion for being able to do stuff off the field as well. So he, from the sense that I got, felt very good about his decision to walk away from football. Well, I'll ask both of you then, what is the impression you got about what the future holds for Anquan Bolden? Aaron, I'll start with you. I think he's going to continue with everything he's doing off the field. I mean, the sense that I got was that he's a very he's very at peace with his decision and that this is this is where his future lies. These are the things that he wants to do. He wants to continue to fight for more legislation and he just wants to help out more in his community. Yeah, and I asked him uh, how he defines success now in his new endeavor and his continuing crusade for humanitarian efforts and for criminal justice reform. And he told me, quote, success for me is just being a productive citizen, creating change and working my butt off to make sure that happens. I mean, I think the football world has taught me to outwork everybody and to continue in that work. So I think for me at this point, that's what success looks like, being a great husband, being a great father, and continuing to make my community better. Um, There was a rumor, though, Jen, and Aaron, you know this, obviously, there was a rumor out there that he would come out of retirement to play for the Patriots. Did we all hear this? So I asked him to clear this up. 
Uh, I heard that. Um, and to me, it's, it's funny, uh, especially when you get news about yourself from somebody else. Um, so I had this guy come to me, and he was like, um, I heard you going to the Patriots. And I'm like, where'd you get that from? He was like, well, that's the word. I was like, well, that's not true. He was like, well, that's what I heard. So um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so I think for me, it's, it's interesting to get news about yourself from somebody else. He's not coming out of retirement to play for the Patriots, at least not, not when we talk to him anyway. Yeah, he found that all very amusing. Yeah, he did. Michelle Beisner-Buck and Aaron Johnson, thank you so much for joining us here on the SC Featured Podcast. To hear more stories like this, follow SC Featured on Apple Podcasts and the ESPN app. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Jen Latta.